that I'm beautiful And I like that I really do You always kiss me in the morning Welcome back to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment. I am Bruce Wozniak talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. My parents kissed and held each other's hands when I was little. Joining me today on location at the NAM Show in Anaheim, California, my guest is a singer, songwriter, multi instrumentalist who has appeared on Hit Parader's unsigned band competition, and she won Best Female Artist in the International Acoustic Music Awards. She has over 14,000 subscribers to her YouTube channel and was awarded a full scholarship to Berklee College of Music as a violin virtuoso and was one of the artists chosen to perform here at this year's NAM show. We've been hearing a song of hers called Grow Older. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Ada Pasternak. Hello. Welcome. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks ever so much for making time to sit and talk with me today. Before we dive into all that you're doing and have done, share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Grow Older. I wrote the song over the pandemic when I was staying at my parents' house. And it was inspired by the guy I was dating at the time. And also it was inspired by my parents' relationship and how they unfortunately grew apart over the years. And so, yeah, I was just sitting there at night and uh, plucking my violin as I do. And it kind of just came out. It surprised me. It caught me off guard. I was like, oh, I didn't know I was writing this tonight. <laughs> All right. And uh, yeah, started just singing. Uh, you always tell me that I'm beautiful. And I like that. I was like, that's kind of nice. And then I just wrote the song in like half an hour or so. Played it for my mom and she loved it. Like wrote the entire song in one sitting? Yeah. Wow. Is that unusual for you or do you find that that happens more often than not? More often than not. Wow. Yeah. Um, and you realize that's not how it's supposed to happen, right? <laughs> you hear about songwriters that, oh, I've been writing this song for six months and I finally put a bow on it. And <laughs> here you are saying, no, one sitting, I'm good. It, sometimes it just comes out. It's like a, like a thought or a feeling. You know? but, so we were joking before I hit record, the proper pronunciation of your last name is Pasternak, which I had said I'm used to David Pasternak. So we can be friends because you're obviously not related to him, the Boston Bruins hockey player. <laughs> I'm not related to him. Not that I know of. Do people, do you, do you get that question? I got that about 20 minutes ago when I finished performing. Someone complimented my set and they said, are you by any chance related to? I thought they were going to say Boris Pasternak because that's the most famous one. Um, but they said David. So Okay, forgive my ignorance. Who is Boris? Um, he is a very famous Russian author. He wrote Dr. Zhivago. And ah. many other wonderful literatures. Wow, so. I should know that. I don't. Shame now you on know. me. Boris oh, well. Pasternak. <laughs> so you won Best Female Artist in the International Acoustic Music Awards for Grow Older, the song that we were just talking about that we played in the intro. You talked about that it just came out so quick, but in terms of it ended up winning that award, like, did you know when you finished that song? Like, was that like, it just felt special, like, in that time? Yeah, it definitely felt special when I was writing it. And then when I wrote it and I played it for my mom and I started performing it and then I recorded it. So, yeah, it, it's, it felt special right away. And um, it feels special every time I perform it. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, it, it was really personal, and it, the fact that I, it was about it was about me and my relationship at the time. It was kind of about my parents' relationship, and I intertwined the two. And um, yeah, I think it's a beautiful song. So it's just really cool that that people people enjoy it. Yeah, and I asked that from the standpoint of I've had a lot of guests on the show over the years who have said, you never know when something is going to be a hit song, and if you try to write a hit song, it doesn't become a hit song, and it's the one that you didn't think would be that ends up becoming. And so here for you, it felt special to you, yeah, it was a nice song, and then lo and behold, it ends up winning the International Acoustic Music Award. And again, it might have felt good in that moment, but could you have known, like, hey, I think this could be like the kind of special that is like award-winning kind of special? Um, when I'm writing, I don't really think, I don't think about anything. I just kind of, I'm just feeling, I'm just kind of expressing myself as any artist can understand. You just, just letting it go. Um, so, but yeah, I think it's one of my better songs. I think I have certain songs that I'm like, this is a good song. Other songs are more fun or cute or whatever, but I think Girl Older is one of my, one of my best songs. Um, it has a really warm sentiment and, and just a really relatable topic, you know. There's lots more with Otta Pasternak on the way, but first I have to tell you about something that I just got this past Friday. In fact, the night before this episode is being released, I will have uploaded to YouTube an unboxing video of it. Focusrite sent me their brand new Vocaster, which is a podcast interface for content creators. So yes, that means you too, people who are doing video. Give your audience top quality audio. Record through the brand new Vocaster For starters, you can choose one or two mic inputs and headphone outputs, depending on if you do a solo show or have a guest. You can even opt for the studio bundle, which adds a microphone, headphones, and an XLR cable. With the new Vocaster, there's auto gain, so you set the levels with the push of a button. The name Focusrite is synonymous with great sound, in my opinion, and that's what you want, whether you're doing a podcast just for fun or, obviously, if it's a big part of your business. Check out the new Vocaster. Go to my show website, nhte.net, and click on the ad for the Vocaster to go learn more. The ad is in the right-hand column if you're looking at my show website on desktop or scroll way down to see it if you're on mobile. It's right below the social media icons. I even put the link in the description for the unboxing video that I put on YouTube. Come on, go check this thing out. It's great. Even though you are a violin virtuoso, I introduced you as a multi-instrumentalist because in the research for this interview, it turned up that there's a video where you're playing the piano, uh, you played guitar at Hotel Cafe. Are there other instruments besides violin, guitar, and piano? And, And for that matter, is it a case of, well, Bruce, violin is my main thing and guitar and piano are definitely a distant second because I do also wonder then about your live shows, if you're just sticking with one instrument or mixing it up or what? Um, violin is definitely my primary. <laughs> yeah. So, um, guitar is a new, new thing I've recently picked up. So, uh, nothing to brag about yet, but I'm really enjoying the learning process and kind of just picking up my songs. Um, piano, I play a little bit and, uh, yeah, violin is my primary. So at my shows, I have my full band, I'm singing and playing violin. Um, but I did perform, um, my new song, Learn to Fly on the guitar at a show recently and it was really special. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned before when we were talking about Grow Older that you were you had your violin. So are you always writing on the violin or what does the songwriting look like being that you do play piano and guitar also? That's a good question. Yeah, I've written most of my songs in the violin. Grow Older I wrote on the violin. Um, 
I've written a few songs on piano, uh, a couple songs on guitar. But yeah, I would say the majority of my songs I wrote on the violin. And, and lots of songs I write without an instrument. I just hear it in my head. Mm. But are they, is it a case of, I would like to do more with piano, more with guitar? Like you say, you did one song live on guitar. Is it, is it I'd like to do more with those live? Or? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I want to do more of everything. I, I definitely want to get better at guitar and piano and get out of my comfort zone and play all the different instruments. So, yeah. And when you record, do you have other people that will play guitar and piano for you and you just kind of stick to violin? It depends on the song. If it's ah. a very basic, simple song that I can pull off myself, then great. <laughs> then ah. I'll play it. But otherwise, yeah. So I just, um, I have an EP coming out July 21st for my birthday. And I played, uh, of course, of course, the violin on it. And um, I wrote the songs that I sang on it. I played a little bit of piano um, on one of the songs, but mainly um, my collaborator, um, an engineer, he played most of the instruments, like the guitar and bass and guitar on it, uh, and piano. Sorry. So yeah, I, I'm not I'm not great at any of those instruments, but uh, but I hear the music in my head. So whenever I'm, you know, hiring musicians or working with my band, I try to express like what I'm hearing in my head, and they play it. So. Is there an, another instrument out there that I haven't said, or or maybe that, that you I do play? play, or that you want to play? I mean. I, I could play the mandolin a little bit just because it's so similar to violin. Mm. So I could, I could, uh, yeah. Going back to violin virtuoso, tell us about your history playing the violin. You received a presidential scholarship to Berkeley College of Music. So talk about that as well as your journey from classical violinist to singer-songwriter. That was the most mind-blowing, unbelievable thing that's ever happened to me in my career, probably in my whole life. Um, yeah, like... Growing up as a classical violinist with classical parents, um, that was all I knew, that was all I played, that was all I listened to. And so when I auditioned for Berkeley last minute and received a full scholarship, that was the first life-changing situation. I was like, oh, wow, I can go to a great college. My parents don't have to worry about paying for it, which, was, which would have been a huge struggle. Um, so that was incredible. And then when I got to Berkeley, it was like, a musical playground, mm. just like jamming with incredible musicians all over the world. It was the coolest thing ever. So that, yeah, I, I played, I was in a mariachi band. I played jazz. I played bluegrass. I played everything. Wow. And then I started writing songs. Wow. Yep. But what kind of progression was that to go from being this violin virtuoso to all of a sudden being where you are now? where you're writing, you're talking about th things like playing guitar and piano a little bit. You're talking about having a band around you, recording music. What's interesting is that I, I feel like in some ways I had to start over because I was a really successful classical violinist at a young age. And when I, became, when I stopped doing that, I became a singer-songwriter. No one knew my music. No one knew mm. my name. And I was just starting out. I went to open mics and I, you know... Um, wasn't getting paid for my performances and all this, you know. The, so it was, it was kind of starting over in a way. It was like a new career. Even though I'm still a musician, it's a completely different situation. And I think, I believe things happen for a reason. So, I mean, there's, there's days where I miss classical music, but I still incorporate it in my music today. See, I'm glad that you said that because I think the tendency for a lot of artists would be they start to go in this new direction, they find that there's a struggle involved, and then they say, let me just go back to what I already know. And I'm sure you're going to tell us, yeah, it was a struggle, but obviously you have pushed through it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it still is a struggle. You know, certain days are, are hard, and, and um, I think anything that we're pursuing in the creative arts can be challenging. 
in multiple ways. And yeah, if, if you love what you do, then you just got to keep doing it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just super cool. Like when I do a show and someone comes up to me and they're like, God, that song you did, I really connect to it or it made me cry or like I really needed, I really needed um, to hear some live music today and, and your music was really touching. Just stuff like that, it makes everything worth it. You mentioned that your parents were classically trained musicians. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when you decided to make this move away from classical music and just focusing on violin to what you're doing now, was there any, I don't want to say pushback from them, but did they have any words of hey, maybe you should reconsider or you know, maybe other people around you that also said, oh, are you sure about this decision? Yeah, my dad actually had a really hard time with it because um, my dad's a classical pianist and he, he, he was pretty disappointed. Um, but also, interestingly enough, I didn't, really, I didn't really choose to quit classical and go into pop. It was chosen for me by the universe. Um, so when I was 16, I was at the peak of my career as a classical violinist. I, de- I developed severe tendinitis and mm. pain in my whole upper body. Um, and it was so bad I couldn't play violin at all. It was just, I was in extreme pain. And um, so I had a couple of really big concerts. And after that, I went to a, a specialist, a doctor, and she said, do you have any concerts coming up? I said, no. And she said, put the violin in the case. You need to relax your body, do some yoga, do some massage. So I did. And I didn't take the violin out of the case for almost three years. Whoa. And I never Whoa. knew if I would take it out. Wow. And I had no plans of, of playing music. I kind of just, I was a regular teenager. I was hanging out with my friends, you know, having a good time. And it was before I ever sang or wrote a song. So I, I didn't wow. really necessarily miss it. Um, but it was weird. Yeah, it was super, it was a weird transition. Um, my dad was definitely disappointed. So that was, that was tough for me. But um, I think he's accepted it now. <laughs> he's like, she's definitely doing her singer-songwriter thing. All right. All right. So what was it that eventually got you into, because you said you weren't planning on doing music at all, period. So something, I mean, I know you said the universe, but was there some kind of tipping point where you said, okay, well, maybe this or maybe that, or I'm going to try this route? So my mom was taking music therapy courses at New School University. And she was always telling me these incredible experiences she has with, she, she, that she's been having with these you know, patients with dementia and all sorts of things. And, and she just, she would tell me how powerful music is. And um, it was really heartwarming for me to hear some of the stories. And so when it was time to apply for college, I was like, music therapy, music therapy. Hmm. Interesting. It sounds like it's something I could maybe do because it wouldn't require me to practice violin every day, mm-hmm. but I could still, you know, contribute my musical talents and help people. Um, so I was really intrigued by music therapy. And so I, um, I remember me and my guidance counselor, she, when she called me in to talk about college, w- she went on her computer and she typed in like music therapy colleges. And Berkeley was one of the things that came up and she goes, Oh yeah, Berkeley is a great school. I'd never heard of it at the time. Mm. Cause I was like, I came from a classical background, you know, I, uh. I'd heard of Juilliard, Manus school of music. So, um, and she was like, yeah, they have, uh, they have jazz and they have music therapy and all this cool stuff. I was like, that sounds really fun. Um, then I was like, my, I just, my parents can't afford it. Like, Where were you living at the time? Uh, Connecticut, right outside of Manhattan. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was like, this is, I just don't think I'll be able to go to college because it's just, who could afford it? And you got to be a millionaire. No <laughs> like I just, <laughs> I don't understand how anyone could afford college to honestly. Um, so I... I was hesitant about applying to any college because I didn't want to put that burden on my parents. And they 
they didn't really say anything. You know, they, they didn't encourage me to apply, but they didn't encourage me not to apply. So um, I kind of thought about applying to Berkeley and then decided not to until one night I'm in the kitchen with my mom drinking tea. And she goes, I have this feeling in my gut that you should apply for Berkeley. I was like, I thought we decided it's too... She's like, I just have this feeling. You should apply. Mm. I was like, okay. All right. Turns out the application was due in like an hour that night. So Whoa. I ran downstairs to the basement where, where our computer was at the time. Filled up the application, like panicking. Like, I have to get this in by midnight. Like sweating. <laughs> and I got it in just in the, the second before midnight hit. And um, the next step is they invite you to, to audition. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, audition. I haven't played violin in three years. This is going to be great. Wow. <laughs> so um, I picked up the violin and I practiced for a couple weeks and it was a bit surreal playing again. Um, on the other hand, it all came right back. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I prepared a piece that I, that I loved and my dad drove me to Boston, accompanied me on the piano. Oh, my gosh. I auditioned. Got a full scholarship. Wow. Wow. What a great story. <laughs> what a great story. Going back to the tendonitis, was that caused by all the years of playing violin? Yeah, it was caused by by playing a lot, but I think playing in the wrong way. Mm. I think that I was like really tense when I was playing, but mm. I didn't realize it. So, you know, it's like a runner who's running in the wrong way or like an mm. athlete who's who's running marathons, but they're not they're not stretching. They're not eating right. They're not taking care yeah. of their body. So, um, yeah, I don't know exactly what I did wrong. I, I think that I was just really stiff and like didn't didn't have proper posture maybe when playing. So yeah, it hit me. It hit me, and my body just completely gave out when I was six, fifteen and a half. So and is it gone now, or is it something that you're always going to have it? Both. Um, there's days where my back doesn't hurt at all. Nothing hurts, and there's other days where it hurts a lot. Um, there's a couple of things that, that influence that influence the pain or lack thereof. Um, when I'm taking better care of my body, when I'm doing my yoga and stretching, eating healthy, I notice I feel better. Like my back doesn't hurt and everything because everything's so connected. And there's days if I'm like stressed out or I'm carrying a heavy bag, you know, it's kind of a rough day. Mm-hmm. It really goes to my back and I feel mm. like my back tenses up. So yeah, I, it's something that I still deal with, but I kind of know how to work around it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. So we haven't talked about this yet, but you actually live, I'm going to say here, let's just say the greater Los Angeles area for all intents and purposes. Before you moved here, you played at notable venues in New York, including Rockwood Music Hall and The Bitter End. Was that as a, as a violinist and, and, you know, what were those shows and how did those two opportunities specifically come about? Yeah. Um, I lived in New York on and off for a while and I did, I did a lot of venues there. Um, yeah, I was playing with a band. I had a full band in New York, um, before I moved to LA. And so I was singing and playing violin. And um, yeah, New York. New York's crazy. <laughs> New York's crazy. I love visiting, but I, I, I'm so happy I live in L.A. now. It's a little, little calmer. Um, but yeah, I still have a lot of family and friends in New York, and I, I go back there a lot. And um, I'm actually going. Well, I'm going this month. But I'm always impressed when I talk to someone who's played at, at venues like Rockwood and The Bitter End because those aren't corner bars where just anybody can get in and play a show. Mm. So was it just kind of working the system? Was it I knew someone that worked there? How did, how did you get booked at um, those places? Probably both. I don't remember now because it's been a while. Um, but yeah, it's probably just um, going to see a friend show, you know, meeting the booker, 
talking to people and networking. Um, yeah, all sorts of things, but just being out there in the music scene and connecting with people and yeah, showing up. There's a m- music video for your song Feeling Good on YouTube that has been viewed more than 50,000 times in less than a year. Share with the audience about m- making the video. Did you do it yourself? Did you have a team? And, and, and by the way, also, any significance to the pink bunny? Huh? Uh, let me answer that first before I forget. So the pink bunny, not really. It's just, it, it, it's a plushie that I bought kind of randomly um, a few months prior to making the music video. I just thought it was really cute and soft. <laughs> I, I was connected to it. I hadn't bought a plushie probably since I was a little kid. <laughs> but it was just calling to me. Um, so I made the music video um, with two other people, three technically. Um, so there was a d- director, B. Earl. And there was the cinematographer, Tyler Forrest. And then our friend Anthony uh, helped out with camera and lighting and all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, we had a great time. We, we filmed it in uh, the area that I live in, Toluca Lake. So it was, really, it was a really fun day. But even though you had others that helped with it, was it kind of your vision, your storyboard? Like, how did the video come together? It was a combination. It was um, me and the director. We kind of just talked about some ideas, and it was a lot of his his vision. Um, and we, yeah, we just did something that we thought would be simple and fun and, and manageable. And, yeah, we had a great time. So that the audience understands the making of music videos, was this something that we knocked it out in a couple hours, or was it, oh, gosh, this thing we filmed over the course of three different days? It was one day. It was one afternoon into the evening. So, yeah. You have an album titled Sweet Dreams from 2018 on Spotify. Most tracks on that album list you and two others with the same last name as you. Who are they? And and tell the audience about that album, including who you worked with on it, meaning producer-wise, unless it was self-produced. Mom and Pops. It was, wow. Uh, wow. Yep. Yeah. yeah. There was this company, Little Village Foundation. They're an organization. They're lovely. And they uh, feature different artists that they find have interesting stories. And they flew my family in to L.A. from Connecticut, and they put us up in a studio with a professional engineer, and they were like, record some stuff. And so my parents are musicians, and when I was younger, when I was living with them, we we played a lot of music together. We had a family ensemble. Um, And so, yeah, it was really, it was a really cool experience. So the engineer just pressed record, and we just recorded music live. Just a lot of the music that um, we played together when I was younger, um, a lot of traditional Russian, Hungarian, um, a lot of uh, Ukraine, all sorts of world music, folk music. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of different things on there. And um, my favorite song is my favorite song is the title track, Sweet Dreams. And um, it was a piece that I played with my dad uh, when I was little. I played the violin. He accompanied me on the piano. And it's one of my favorite melodies in the whole wide world. Um, it's a classical piece. But on the way to the studio, I wrote lyrics to it. Mm. So I sort of made it my own in a way. So that's my, my favorite song off the album. Wow. Wow. That's so cool. That's so cool. I'm joined today on location at the NAM show in Anaheim, California, by singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, Ada Pasternak. Visit her official website at adapasternak.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. When you visit her site, you will see links to connect with her on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and even LinkedIn, as well as 
information for where to see her upcoming live shows, and of course, how to purchase her music on Amazon and Apple Music, plus how to stream her music on Spotify and more. Keep up with Ada online for news about some of the very things that we are talking about on this episode. Are you receiving the weekly e-newsletter? It has information about the latest podcast episode and other notable goings-on. Plus, there are oftentimes exclusives in there that only people who get that are seeing first. Just go to the podcast website, nhte.net, and put in your email address. And yes, you really will only get an email from Bruce each Wednesday. That's it. No spam. Sign up now for free and stay up with everything going on with the show and more. It's fast and easy at nhte.net. Ada, you appeared on No Cover, Hit Parader's unsigned band competition show. You wowed the judges, especially Lizzie Hale. You continued on to the next round, but were not chosen to go on. To whatever extent that you're allowed to disclose some of what went on during that experience, tell the audience more about that show, including how you got the opportunity, what your experience was on there, what you learned from it, those types of things. How I got the opportunity was pretty funny and random. Um, so, you know, Clubhouse, the app that everybody mm-hmm. was on d- during the pandemic. I was on it for like two weeks um, and then I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> so during that time, I, I went into some group. They were talking about something. I don't remember, but I found myself in this group. And I think they were talking about music or something like that. And um, when it was my time to say hello, it said in my bio, like musician and stuff. Mm. So um, the host of the group was like, do you want to sing a song for us? I was like, yeah, of course. And so I sang, I don't know what song I sang, to be honest. I sang one of my songs and, um, and they really enjoyed it. And then I got an Instagram message from someone and he's like, hey, I'm the producer of this TV show that we're going to be working on soon. We'd love to have you as one of the contestants. And, um, and he said, I heard you on Clubhouse? Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's what happened. And he's like, you're really talented. Like, let's talk. And we got in a call and... Yeah, I ended up doing the show. So where did the tape, how long did this all take, the time that you were on? Um, it was taped at the Troubadour in Los Angeles. And um, I did two episodes, so it was two different days. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a cool experience. Any, any takeaways from it in terms of things that you know you learned just from being on that show? Other, other than maybe, I'm assuming it was your first time on a TV show, maybe just kind of like, yeah, learning the, 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 the It TV was my side. first time on a TV show, and, and uh, the fact that it was original music is, is what made me agree to do it, mm. you know. Um, I think if I were to do something like that again, like something specific like that, I maybe would have a full band. Mm. Um, or maybe I would start alone and then have the band come on stage and surprise everyone. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I would do different songs. Maybe I would have different arrangements. Um but I, I have no regrets. I, I did, you know, I did the songs that I was working on at the time, and um, and now they're both out. Both the songs are out. Grow older and stick around. So yeah, it was it was fun. It sounds to me like the reason that you did it is because someone from the show approached you. You're probably somebody who has people telling you all the time, you should go on American Idol, you should go on The Voice. All the time. So I'm thinking, like I said, that you did that one because someone slid into your DMs and said, hey, this is who I am and this is what we are offering you. Do you even give the American Idols and the Voices and the AGTs 
the time of day or do you just kind of like smile and say thank you when people say you should go on there? Kind of both. Um, I haven't done any of the shows. Um, I've, I've thought about it and I've come, I've even come close to, to doing mm. one of them, but it didn't work out. Um, but you never know. You never know if it, if it feels like the right time and the right situation. I'm open to it. Yeah, that's, that's good because I feel like there's some people who are so opposed to it that you can't even finish asking them the question. And I have no interest in doing that. So I like your attitude that if it's the right time, if it's the right situation, yeah. sure, yeah, I'll exactly. do it. Uh, you have a monthly residency. Help me out with the pronunciation, L-Y-D, Lid and Mo Photography mm-hmm. in Pasadena. That's really different. I- explain how that came to be. That's really unique. I-, I love someone that's kind of doing something non-traditional like that, finding a residency at a place that's not a... Not a music venue. Yeah. So my friend Mo is a wonderful photographer in, in Pasadena, and he's a big music appreciator. He has a lot of musician friends, and we met because we did a photo shoot together, mm. and, um, and uh, we, we, be- we became friends. And he's like, he's like, if you ever want to perform here, I have, I have shows, and I have a lot of my musician friends performing here. You can even have your own night. I was like, well, that's cool. So um, there's been three so far. Um, it's the third Friday of every month, and it's really lovely. It's very intimate, um, and it's really cool. I have like special guests. I have magicians, comedians, and it's really cool. But other than those special guests, is it solo Ada or are there other players with It's with you? my band, with my band. Oh, it yeah. is? Yeah. Wow. It must be a big space that he has then. It's not big. No, it's big enough for, you know, 30 or, 30 or 40 people, but it's not, uh, it's not big. But the size of your band is how many people? Um, it's three people and me, so four total. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, help me out with another pronunciation. You and Jason Burke sing the song every day, B-I-E-R-K, yes. uh, which is in the movie Love Hard. Is he someone you already knew, or, or how, did, how did that come to be? No, so um, somebody reached out to me about recording vocals for a song, but I, didn't, I had no other information. They didn't tell me what it was going to be for. I knew nothing. They were just like, we want to hire you to record vocals for a song called Every Day. I said, cool, let's do it. So I recorded the song. They loved it. Um, and then like months later, they were like, oh, by the way, the song you recorded, it's going to be on a Netflix movie. Wow. I was like, that's pretty cool. Wow. So that's But in a situation like that, are you someone that if someone's giving me an opportunity, sure, I'm all in. Or are you a kind of, I need to know all the details first. Who is this? What is it for? What all is involved before you can even say yes or no? Um, it depends on the situation. Um, sometimes people like, like the guy who asked me to sing he actually he himself didn't have any any other information mm. so i think he just told me what he knew um he said it's going to be some sort of movie or tv show or something but he he didn't you know i didn't know if it was an independent film or so um yeah i just think it's important to be open-minded and if, if it feels right we say yes if it feels wrong we say no and so. i was just going to ask you for anyone in the audience who is hearing us talk about that particular example I was going to say, what is your advice to an indie artist whose tendency might be to look at something like that and say, uh, this seems too fishy, and they just ignore it. And all of a sudden, you're passing up something that it turns out ends up in a Netflix movie. Um, I think take your time to, to feel out the situation. Make sure like you research and Google everyone. Like, who's the guy who asked you? Like, who mm. is he, you know? Um, and, yeah, if it seems shady... It probably is, <laughs> you know, so red flags, if they're there, they're there for a reason. Um, but if it's someone that you, you know is legit, um, 
someone with, with good vibes and good intentions, a friend of a friend or somebody that's, you know, not just a random weirdo off the street, um, then, then yeah, I think it's just, if it seems right, be open to it. Yeah, I was going to say, I kind of feel like there's been this recurring theme as we've talked that you're kind of someone who, if it feels right and if the conditions are such that you can kind of look at it and say, why wouldn't I, that you're more inclined to probably say yes to it unless, like you said, it's something that there's just all kinds of red flags all over it. Yeah, exactly. It's, fu- it's funny, you just reminded me of something when you said say yes. Um, at my last Pasadena show, I did a jam with, um, with this really wonderful poet named Sean, and um, we, we improvised. He, he was rapping something, and he said something about saying yes. And I went up on stage, and I was like, say yes, say yes, and it kind of became the hook. So we kind of created a song on the spot together. It was fun. Wow, wow, that's so cool. So you have a new EP, Details. What, what can you tell us? Number of songs, who has worked on this with you, where has this been recorded, those types of details? Absolutely. I have a EP, four-song EP coming out on my birthday, July 21st. And um, there are two of the songs I wrote over the pandemic and the other two songs I didn't. Um, I recorded it in Sherman Oaks with my friend Mitchell Hauser. He has a production company there at his house. Um, and, yeah, it was really cool. He was, he was great to work with, and it was, it was really special for me because it was m- sort of, my, not my first time, but sort of, in a way, my first time really producing my own project mm. where I didn't have anyone tell me what, what to play or, you know, no one's... It was really my, my vision. So, um, yeah, it was really cool, and I, I love the songs, and um, I'm excited for people to hear them. It's called Learn to Fly. That's the name of the EP. What brought you to deciding to self-produce? Um, as you know, at this point, I'm open-minded and I'm, I love working with other people or working with other producers. Um, but at this point in my life, I just, um, I, I trust, I want to trust and I do trust my, my instincts and my musical abilities. So I wanted to allow myself an opportunity to just produce my own, my own record, my own EP. Did you write with the goal of, I need four songs to make an EP, or was it, oh my gosh, I had like 13 of them and I had to whittle it all the way the down? The second one, except for 13 out of zero at the end. I have like probably 130 songs um, or more that I've written, and I just have so many songs I want to put out. So I decided that these four songs go together thematically and musically, so I decided to package them together into an EP. Is that easier said than done, though? Like, even though they go together thematically, it is out of approximately 130 yeah, but it, I kind of just felt it. It just felt like, you know, I started with one song and I was like, oh, this song would go with it. And then this, I was like, oh, these four songs. All right. They're like siblings, you know. <laughs> okay. So then I think that the staunch Ada Pasternak fans would say, if she's got 126 more, does that mean that she's going to be releasing a lot more new EPs or full albums or what? Which I know is, it's hey, I'm just trying to get this one out now, Bruce. And all of a sudden you're asking me about future <laughs> releases. But with that much available in your catalog... Yeah, I'm at that point where I'm just really inspired and I really just want to share my music with people. And um, I think we all have a voice and I want to use mine. So I'm going to be putting up more music soon. Let's talk about where we are right now at the NAMM show. Is this your first one? You, for all intents and purposes, audience, by the way, she she pretty much just got off the Marriott stage. You know, yep. Have you had the opportunity to walk around the show at all? Is there any specific companies you're hoping to connect with? I haven't had a chance to walk around or even eat. I'm really hungry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I basically just got off stage. It was really fun. Um, I've been to NAMM before, but this is my first time performing at NAMM. Mm-hmm. So 
really special. But do you have any endorsements with, with anybody or is there companies you're hoping to seek out where wink, wink, ask me a week from now and maybe I yeah, will? Yeah, um, I do have an endorsement with Samson, but I don't think they're here. I don't think they're uh, at NAM. But um, I don't have any other endor- endorsements at the moment other than Samson, but I, I'm open to it. And if anybody wants to sponsor me, let's, let's talk. Slide into the DMs. It makes sense that I would ask you, what violin do you play? Is there one company that you've been with for a while? Is it a jump around? No, it's not really a company thing because, well, so I grew up as a classical violinist, and you don't, it's not a company. It's it's the luthier uh, who makes the instrument, and, and the good violins are very rare. And you, don't, you can't just go to the guitar center and pick one up. They're, you know, one of a kind. So I, I, I played like a really beautiful Italian violin growing up. Um, but when I was playing at bars and started doing the singer-songwriter thing, I was like, I need to get a cheaper, less precious violin <laughs> if I'm taking it around. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm not trying to have some drunk guy just pour some beer over it. So um, I ended up getting like, you know, something that's just more practical to travel with and to perform with. And so it's, it's a great instrument. It's just not as, you know, it's not one of a kind um, necessarily. But yeah, I got it at... Um, I think I got it at Smash or something like that. It's a good instrument. So, um, but I do have a cool five-string electric violin by NS, and yeah, I have a violin by uh, Eastman. Eastman gave me a violin also a couple years back, and um, yeah. So, when and why did you move from? I'm going to say New York. I assume you left Connecticut and lived in New York. And so, when and why did you move to California? So after graduating Berkeley. I thought New York was the best next move sure. because it was close yeah. to my family. My family is in Connecticut. Um, and I figured New York, it's the place to be, you know. Um, and I had a lot of great times there, and I don't regret being there for the time that I was. But um, one day, Postmodern Jukebox reached out to me, and they said, hey, you're really talented. We'd love to bring you out to California uh, to feature you in a YouTube video. And I was like... Hell yeah. Wow. <laughs> so um, that was my first like very exciting opportunity to come to Los Angeles. So I came to Los Angeles with my violin, like $400. <laughs> I barely knew anyone out here. Um, so I, I filmed the video with Postmodern Jukebox, and then it went really well. Their fans loved it, and they invited me back for a second one. And yeah, I got a lot of fans and reached a lot of people with that. And um, Scott Bradley is incredible, and yeah, I love what they do. That was really cool. And then you went, I guess I'm staying here. I guess I'm staying here. Wow. Yeah. Everyone was so nice and welcoming, and it was just a new new environment, new opportunities. So wow. I stayed. So the one thing that we didn't touch on, and we're about to wind things down, but we have to tell the audience where you're born, and then how did you come to live in, I'll say, the northeast of the United States? Oh, man. There's, I've moved so many times. Um, I was born in Moscow. And my family and I immigrated to New York City when I was a little girl. And we lived in New York for three years. Then we moved an hour outside of Manhattan to Connecticut. Fairfield, where John Mayer is from. Ah. Um, and, yeah, we, I grew up in Connecticut, went to college in Boston, Berkeley. And um, I've been here in L.A. for about five, six years now. So. And your folks are still in Connecticut? Yeah. And what brought them to the United States in the first place? Religious freedom, um, we're Jewish, and also just good opportunities for their kids and for themselves, um, and a better life. 
You said for their kids, plural. So you have siblings. I have a brother. And does he do music or no? Yes. My brother is a very talented musician. He plays cello and he plays piano and he sings and he's very talented. Wow. And yeah. have you and he collaborated at all? We have. Um, we haven't officially released anything like together on the Spotify or anything, but I want to. Um, but I've done, uh, yeah, I, I've done a lot of shows with him. Whenever I go to the East Coast to do shows, I always, I always bring him on stage and um, he's a beautiful musician. And yeah, um, I would love to actually like make an album with him. Um, so, wow, thanks that's for so the cool. thanks for the idea. That's so, cool. <laughs> so he's he's based in the Northeast, also. Yeah, he lives. He's in Connecticut, also. So cool. We're going to close today with another one of Ada's original songs, one called "Stick Around." Ada, before I let you go, and I play that track, share with the audience all about this one, if you would please. <sighs> I have to remember. <laughs> I've written so many songs <laughs> since that one. Um, oh, I remember. I wrote it in bed. <laughs> Probably a third of my songs I wrote in bed at like two in the morning. Um, <laughs> I wrote it after having a fight with my boyfriend at the time. And uh, it sort of just came out. It was like I, I, I couldn't sleep because I heard the, the song. I was writing the song in my head. Mm. And so I took my, my voice memo, my phone out, and I was like putting the idea in, you know. And, uh, yeah, it kind of just wrote itself. It was one of those things, like, we're older. Just some songs write themselves. Um, and I decided to put it out. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty song. But you said probably a third of my songs, I'm sitting in bed at 2 o'clock in the morning writing them. Yeah. Do you find that the other two-thirds, it's like, you know what? And a lot of times I'm driving in my car, and then a lot of times, or is it just... 2 a.m. in the bed, I, those I know, the rest of them are just a combination all over the place. Yeah, most songs are late at night. Um, and then some songs are like while I'm traveling. I find that like when I'm walking, it's really inspiring because I always come up with ideas when I'm walking. Um, and sometimes in the car and like airplanes, I hear music in my head. So travel definitely inspires. And yeah, just all, I always hear music in my head. It's kind of annoying sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> But you hear original music in your head because I've been told yes. by other songwriters that when they're trying to write, they don't want to hear any music at all because they don't want to be influenced and all of a sudden write something that's like, oops, I just wrote the same thing I heard on the radio. I actually, it's not intentional necessarily, but I don't listen to that much music. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I do listen to music, but not like, you know, some people always have their AirPods in and they're yeah. just like, oh, I don't listen to that much music um, because... Maybe it helps me with my songwriting. Maybe it doesn't, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's just who I grew up. Like, I grew up not listening to music, except for with my friends and, you know, in the car, Britney yeah. Spears, whatever. But, um, yeah, but now I'm discovering so many great bands and artists that I never even kn knew of, you know. I'm like, whoa, like Pink Floyd. I know that they've been around for forever, <laughs> but I just discovered, like, not, I've heard of them forever. Yeah. I, I mean, I just dived in to their yeah. catalog, yeah. and I'm like, wow. Where have I been? <laughs> you know, so there's certain legendary bands that I'm just now kind of like falling in love with. So yeah, there's just so much great music out there, and you know, it's all it's all inspiring. But you know, you kind of alluded to this when you talk about the people who are constantly listening to music. I mean, nowadays it seems like we all have so much around us that's taking our attention in a million places. Do you think that that penchant for being able to write at 2 a.m. sitting in bed is because, like, you finally have time to just quiet everything around you and say, okay, I don't have all kinds of distractions. Now I can just sit and write. Yeah. I mean, I've always kind of been a night owl. 
Um, not a morning person at all. <laughs> um, so I think that's one of the reasons that I write music at night because I'm like f- more awake and more, more alive. Um, yeah, I don't know. Something about the nighttime just like inspires me to get creative. You know, I have written some songs during the day, but usually it's at night and the magic <laughs> happens. Well, it's been great having you on the show. Congratulations on the new EP. Congratulations on being chosen to perform at NAM. And I appreciate you making time to be on now here this entertainment. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, Ada Pasternak. Do visit her official website at adapasternak.com. And again, I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Be sure to connect with her by going to the icons on her website for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and even LinkedIn. You will also see links to stream, or better yet, purchase, Ada's music on Apple Music and Amazon. Follow Ada on Spotify, stream her music on there, and let her know that you heard her and her music. I now hear this entertainment. Keep up with Ada online relative to the new EP that you heard her talking about, as well as details on going to see her perform live. That's going to do it for episode 439. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song by Ada Pasternak. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Stick Around. Isn't it strange How you were a stranger Not long ago We said hello Isn't it strange That time passes slowly When you don't know me Anymore I should probably leave But I don't want to go So here is something You might want to know I want a man Who brings me flowers On a regular day And won't leave when we are fighting Cause I want him to stay The kind of man Who picks me up When I'm feeling down I want to love that's gonna stick around (laughs) Isn't it strange How everything changes And nothing changes At the same time I'll take the blame And if I'm being honest I just can't get you off my mind I should probably leave, but I don't want to go So here is something you might want to know I want a man who brings me flowers on a regular day And won't leave when we are fighting Cause I want him to stay The kind of man who picks me up I'm feeling down I want a love that's gonna stick around So what are we fighting for? Feels like I've been here before What are we hoping for? I don't know I want a man who brings me flowers on a regular day And won't leave when we are fighting Cause I want him to stay 
the kind of man who picks me up when I'm feeling down. I want a love that's gonna stick around. I want a man who brings me flowers on a regular day and won't leave when we are fighting. 'Cause I want him to stay. The kind of man who picks me up when I'm feeling down. I want a love that's gonna stick around.